Well, hello again, everybody. I'm sitting here um, in a very nice lounge of a hotel near Glastonbury, sitting with Steve. And um, hello there. How are you? Hello, oh, thank you. Um, so we're just about to start our conversation on uh, Corona conversations, as I'm calling them. And uh, I've asked Steve just to begin by telling us a little bit about his background, um, how long he's been working in the area, whether he lives in the area. I don't even know if you actually live around here. Yeah, about half an hour away. Half an hour away. So I'm just going to hand over to Steve. Here he is. Uh, hello. So my name is uh, Steve. Um, at the moment, I work at a hotel uh, about 15 minutes away from Glastonbury, between Glastonbury and Froome. Um, I've worked here for about a year. Um, I've worked in food and beverage for about two and a half years. Before that, I was a uh, sports instructor up north of the border in Scotland, uh, teaching kids bows and arrows and all sorts of other things like that. Teaching um, archery? Yeah, yeah. I used to, used to teach archery. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, very hard with little five-year-olds, five, six-year-olds. They'll turn around and be like, is this right? Like, ah, duck for covers. So you've, you've trained in archery? Yeah, trained in archery, fencing. Uh, I'm a li- I used to be a lifeguard. I used to be a lifeguard trainer, swim teacher, mm. all, all those sorts of things. Mm. Uh, I was I was sport and leisure before I moved into food and beverage, but the two sectors are very similar to, mm. to themselves. It was just learning the, the overlay stuff, really. No martial arts? Um, I did judo when I was younger, right. but I'm quite keen, uh, quite keen rugby player. Obviously, I haven't been able to play much this year when I've been working this job, like every other, every Saturday is pretty much, but uh, mm. try and do it when I can. Um, I'm very into, you know, it's all sorts of other things like motorsport. I'm into uh, comics, reading and gaming. What, what kind of books do you read? I like to read um, uh, Japanese mangas. Uh, Japanese got one? Japanese mangas, which basically comics. Yeah, they're, it's basically comic books, but they're ah. reversed where they've been printed in Japanese and things. Is that what your tattoo is? Yeah, I've got, actually got a whole one up my arm of, of just like different bits and bobs and things like different characters and things like that. It's just, you know what I mean? It's just... It's only on one arm. Yeah, just, just on this arm. And I've got a few others scattered about here and there that I got over the years. But, <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's me. I'm from a small town called Trowbridge, which is in Wiltshire, which is about half an hour from here. Um, born and raised over here pretty much all my life, apart from the two and a half years I spent up north, really. So but Your accent is not West Country. No, it's because my my dad is from Sussex, oh. and like uh, all of them are from like home county Sussex, oh. and you know, a lot of them live in Kent and things now, and my mum was from London. Mm-hmm. So even my friend Ash, who grew up literally 100 metres down the road from me, I'd go over like, right, Ash, what have you done today? Oh, I don't know, before you play some football or something. Like that, it is really funny how you can live a few, like, literally half a mile from each other and your accents can be so different because I'd be growing up and I'm like, mum, can you pass the butter? And she'd go, butter! It's literally been instilled in me since a young age. So, yeah, it comes out in certain words. Um, yeah, you know, sometimes I can't and I go, oh, that was very West Country. But uh-huh. it's just the train, really, for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So, um, when did you start uh, working? I mean, how, how long were you working at your present job before the lockdown? Uh, I started in late September, early October last year. So that would have been... 
three months, four months, up until right. uh, March, whenever it was. So just over six months, mm. I'd say. Um, it sounds like you're a very social person, very affable. How did you react when you were told that you had to stay in isolation? Well, it's funny that I was saying this to a few people a while ago. It's the whole furloughed thing. And whenever we went into lockdown, it was just before it started. Us here, especially, we still had a hangover from Christmas. Like mm-hmm. we didn't get, you know, Christmas party or any for a break. We, you know, working solidly through. So a lot of us were like, oh, you know what? This is a, this is a needed, needed little break. And it was. It was really nice for about the first three weeks. <laughs> and like I said, I said just before we started recording, I literally I booked a week off of holiday. And then came back to work and four days later we went on lockdown, right. which which I thought was quite funny. So I've had nearly four months off of work. And it's yeah, it's been really weird because, you know, being at home and everything, it's like, well, I was I was I because I live over here when I work here, but I was I went back home. Um I forget where is it that you live? In Trowbridge. Trowbridge. Yeah. So I went back home to Trowbridge was with my with my parent, with my mum, my dad. My brother and my sister, who lives uh, next door in the annex with her with her partner, and uh, you know everything was fine for like the first month and all that. And then after a while, it just begins to bit, you know, like you feel a bit claustrophobic. You feel like, oh, I want to go out. I want to get and do something. My only vice for however long was walking the dog. That dog caught so many walks <laughs> since lockdown began, and he's a big boy, so I can take him, you know, for hours on end. And he's, you know, he's he's happy as Larry, but yeah, it's a bit like. Now coming back, it's really nice to be back. It's just mm. need to get back in the swing of things a bit more, you know. Just feel like I got a bit, just a bit, uh, yeah, just a bit lazy, you know. One or two people, myself included, put on a few lockdown pounds, and um, yeah, just try and get back into the swing of things. You didn't, you didn't try and keep fit by running, and uh, that's the thing. I'm I'm very much like I I like playing. Sp- I I got all my fitness from work like beforehand like I would do yeah I'd be on my feet for 16 you know sometimes 16 hours a day you know back, uh, on some long days and you do that you know five days five days you know, if you imagine five days a week solidly of doing 11 hour shifts which I would sometimes do just that you know at the end of the week you're like no I'm not going to the gym I, I don't want to you know I want to rest and things and um it, but yeah I, there's all sorts of things people do like I like like I said, I like playing rugby. I like playing sport whenever I can, bit training and things. But we all motivate ourselves differently. Like as soon as lockdown began, one of my friends he was just out on his bike every single day because he was one of those he needs to keep busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of those people who like needs to keep busy or they go mad. He was actually on his bike every single day. He would do like forty miles or more. You know, just to, just like you know around the area to like Bristol and back and things like that. Mm. And so. As regards the the atmosphere in your own home, you didn't feel that it brought out sort of tensions in the family. No, I mean everyone got on very well with each other. I mean, I I I can't speak for everyone else's families, but my family we're a bit like we're a bit yeah, argue and nitty at each other all the time. Anyway, there's all love there, but you know how some some families are just constantly bickering with that. Still, me, I'm 26. My brother who's 28 we still bicker like teenagers sometimes just over little things like just can't help it sometimes I say something like no that's completely wrong <laughs> you know what I mean but and did that, you find yourself resorting to social media to get over the uh, I mean social media social media I've been using it trying to use it less and less to be honest as um in the past couple of years because it's 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 one thing I find 
I used to go on it quite a lot when I was younger. You know, it's just, I used to be on Facebook every day, things like that. I still have it. You know, I still have it. It's a good way of keeping contact with people if you need to get in touch with someone quite quickly, doing Facebook messages or stuff like that. But I find the whole social media, especially a lot of it and during lockdown, it's people just want to, you only really see the snippets. It's like the snippets are, oh, have a look at how good my life looks but it's all Mm. I mean if you're having a good time and you're doing fun things the way I see it you don't need to put them online to enjoy yourself it's just you Mm. some people not everyone but some people they just put things online because they want people to see like oh where are you darling oh that looks lovely you know things like that how'd you do that but then there wasn't really a lot of that during lockdown because everyone was stuck inside so the first few weeks me and some friends we were taking turns to write a quiz host a quiz and all that and that didn't get old for about, well, we did that for four weeks until it started getting a bit old and boring. <laughs> but um, yeah, all sorts of things really. I went for a stage where one week I was um, on the phone to my mate Deck all day or I went to school with and we'd be playing Xbox and we'd be like, oh, this is great. I haven't had this much free time to play games since we were teenagers, you know? And we were literally feeling like, this reminds me of when we were 10 years ago in year 11, we would all be on Xbox the night before school, mm-hmm. messing around, and then we would be at school. But mm. that was the only difference, really. Right. But it was strange just having that much time off. I've never, ever had that much time off mm. in my life. Because if you think about it, when you go to school, you get six weeks off in the summer. So I would have had that when I was younger. But as soon as I left college, when I was 18, I went straight to work after you know, two weeks after I finished college, I had a full-time job. So I was working, I've always been working. And so, yeah, it just felt really weird to have that much time off. And my dad being at home every day, but he was working every day from home. And he's like, well, what can I do? I can't, there's only so many times I can clean the kitchen and things at home, which I did for the first, you know, first couple of days or a couple of weeks after lockdown, I would I'd go down, like, oh, kitchen's a mess, give it a good clean, like I would be cleaning at work here. And they were like, oh, yeah, when you clean, you clean. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's how bored I am. But uh, that got boring eventually as well. <laughs> so. Did you find yourself um, getting into any kind of reflection or meditation? or? No, I mean, I I will never knock it or, you know, disagree with anyone who, who likes that sort of stuff because different things work for different people. Um, me personally, I'm not a very spiritual or religious person, but that's only because I went to Catholic school. And I think me and a few of my friends were in the same sort of thinking is sort of when you have it, when you go to school for 11 years, you have to say prayers however many times a day and you get these things forced down your throat. It just makes you not resent it, but sort of like, I think I remember I was 13 or so when I was in a class, I got sent out of an RE lesson for basically telling my teacher, oh, I think it's, I think this is a bit nonsense. So, you, you know, there must be some middle ground to this and things. Do but, you remember what the subject was? That you thought was um, I think we were talking about, I, I think some of it was like philosophy because we did, I mean, we did one year where um, I always, I always think, uh, I, I can't remember someone said to me once that oh Jesus didn't exist I was like oh no no he was he was an actual person you can't dispute he was an actual person but the whole whether there's a son of God thing is, is subjective to people and it's like you know, and I the way I look at it is like the Bible something written however many thousands of years ago copied and copied by people there's going to be mistakes there's going to be um, miscommuni- you know misinterpretations of, of things you know and there's a lot of things that uh not people here, but you see people online, you know, people in America, they spout the Bible for their reasons for this and for that. And it's like, hang on, 
it's sort of the, people tend to cherry pick those sort of things. They're like, I'm going to cherry pick this because it says abortion's bad. I'm going to cherry pick this because gay people are bad. But it's like, oh, I'll leave, I'll leave that in there because uh, you know, no, we, you know, we can kill in the name of God or you know, all those sort of things. So I'm going on a bit of a rant now. But <laughs> no, it's interesting that um, you remember that it was at the age of thirteen. It was something like that. It was. I could just remember the more and more you you sort of read these things, you um, you just tend to question it. I mean, I kind of like the whole philosophy. Is not quite. I'm not quite an agnostic, but I quite like the philosophy. Is can God be the answer to how, not the answer to why? Because people like to think, oh, well, you know, um, I was actually watching a video on YouTube the other day. It was called middle ground. So they get people, they get like three people who are on one side of an argument, three people from one side of an argument, mm. and they get to have discussions of things. And that one was on about, it was about flat earthers and um, they had some scientists. And one of them who literally said, oh, you know, no, God says that the world was created in six days and this, that. So that's what we have to, that's what we have to believe. And it's sort of like, and he, he was calling that fact. He was, a scientist was trying to explain to him, a coach of the earth and how we know we can use this using tools and there's facts and you know there's evidence for how we found the years and just go, no, no, no that's just your opinion that's just your opinion but he'll quote something from the bible and call it a fact mm. so i find that a bit mm. hypocritical sometimes but it's what it is you know i have a friend of mine who the past uh, couple well within the last two years sort of battled alcoholism and um drug drug abuse and things and um for him, his the sort of thing that sort of sorted him out was was meditation, discovering mm. meditation and things like that. And you know, and I know that it, what's his name is quite famous guy Russell Brown. Russell Brown. Mm. He got quite into like yeah, he's quite a famous atheist, but he got quite into um, those sorts of things, didn't he? Like meditation because it's very different. I remember having we had a chapel in school. It was an upstairs chapel with like beanbags and things, and they would do like meditation sessions in there, and. Um, but I remember a meditation session and the way they do it, it's just like, I remember just falling asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember being told off because I fell asleep because all the kids were <laughs> just, just every now and then. But, um, but you know, it, 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 I'll never knock it if anyone wants to try it. You know, if, if people want to believe something and some people think uh, this, pan, yeah, there's a lot of people who think the pandemic is either... Well, I think there's there's a few sides to the argument. There's people who think it's like, it's just it's just a natural thing that happens. That's what that's what I'm on. It's just it's just one of those things that's happened, and just a huge yeah, bummer. And there are other people who think, oh, this is God's way of doing this, and you know, culling the planet and uh, and all that and the other. And there are others who just who think it's a big conspiracy. If if you've heard of that, there's a mm. lot of people who think, and I've been seeing some of it. Well, the whole thing's, you know, wearing, I'm saying this while wearing my mask, people not wanting to wear masks. You see things on Facebook and people saying, oh, I can't remember where I saw it, but it was ridiculous. It said, uh, oh, COVID is a, I don't know anyone who's had COVID. I know hardly anyone who's died. Why should I have to wear a piece of cloth over my mouth when it's blah, 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 blah. It's like, anyway, no one's asking you to, you know, do anything dangerous. They're literally asking you to wear a piece of cloth over your mouth like I am now. You just get used to it. Mm. Earlier on, I went to have a drink while I did this. <laughs> through, nearly through my mask because I forgot I was wearing it. But that's what our new normal is, isn't it? Mm. 
So I think the whole people thinking it's conspiracy, they either think it's an American conspiracy or a Chinese conspiracy, Mm. either or. I find the Chinese conspiracy rather convincing. Um, Funny enough, I was reading an article today in the paper about uh, it was – it was about the 5G towers and everything about, you know, China's influence and that. And you can sort of see that. But um, this whole article was about how their foreign policy is basically be our friend or else, or, mm. you know, you do anything bad or anything we don't like, then, you know, forget it. And it even went on to how they, because they own a lot of share, they've got a lot of control in like how things are printed, even how Western books and media is printed and things like certain words, certain phrases that might not be against mm. what they call the CCP or where they are, whatever their government's called. And I just found that a bit quite astonishing really, but mm. yeah, it's a strange yeah. old world. The yeah, there's a conspiracy theory that the, the virus was designed in a laboratory as part of the biological warfare research. And they tried to make it look as if it was... I don't know. I don't... I think people who like to cook up these conspiracies think people are a lot smarter than they are. (laughs) That's, you know, my reason. But the only thing I think is quite... I don't know. I I think it's quite... I don't ironically funny is that and I think which presents the idea of a lot of people think it's a conspiracy where there's a... There was a pandemic this year, 2020... Spanish flu, what was that, 1919, 1920. Um, I, w- I think in literally 1720 or 1820, there was mm. something else as well. Mm. And people, and I remember people drawing conclusions that last year, last year going, oh, jokingly going, we might be doing a pandemic or, mm. or whatever, guys, so then we get one. So I thought that was a bit, mm. but I think... I'm a very sceptical person, you know, where a lot of people, they might believe in ghosts, they might believe in this, and I'm very sceptical. I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, how do you know there's not aliens in the sky? I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. So even if someone said to me, I think there's a conspiracy, I'd be like, yeah, okay, mate, sure, why not? It's like, let you have your opinion, you know, you know what opinions are like, so everyone can have one, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And would you give any kind of advice to people who have had a very difficult time psychologically, emotionally. I mean, we've all, I mean, I can speak from experience that I've been there personally, um, not through the epidemic or pandemic, um, but, you know, everyone does go through those stages, whether it's family members you might pass on, get ill, or something might happen to you personally or a loved one or everything. And it's, when I went through it myself, it was, I thought I couldn't, talk to anyone or reach out to anyone I thought oh I thought and the same thing goes through and everyone's mind's like I think I'm bothering everyone I think I'm useless I don't want to come across as you know I didn't want people to see me in that sort of way but then when I this is how many years before this crisis oh yeah to me this happened about a year ago for reasons I won't go into but it was a it was a few months where I did I went into I thought I've I've never been depressed before and that was the first time Mm. I really really felt it but you know I reached out to a couple of friends of mine uh, a few friends and it was sort of like I was quite surprised at how much they wanted to help and wanted to do right then and there and someone said to me what well, I'll say to everyone you know if you treat others how you want to be treated they'll do the same to you because I've been in the same situation where I've had to cheer friends up or get them out of a hole or everything else like that you know I remember someone saying my friend later sent to me it's like it's so weird seeing you like this because I've always 
thought, of, you know, I've, I've never thought something like that would happen to you. And I was, you know, not in a bad way. I was like, oh, fair enough. But then I did manage to bounce back. I've, I bounced back fairly quickly, what some people would say. I stopped taking antidepressants, all that. I thought, no, it's not working. I'm not going to bother. How long myself. did you take antidepressants for? About two months. Two months. Yeah, you're supposed to take them for six weeks to see if there's an effect. But I think it was something like that. Um, but I wasn't feeling any any different. So I just, because some people work, some people doesn't, you know. Mm. Um, but, you know, to anyone else who's feeling like that, who has gone through that, you know, there's it's so prevalent these days. Mm. And um, one thing I saw about that is, um, it was an article, it was about why uh, depression and these sort of things seem so much more prevalent these days than they were before. And part of it, what it said was um, people, we have a lot of things fulfilled for us. We need food. We can go over under the phone, over under the phone, or go to the supermarket. Boom, we've got some food. We want some drink. We want this. We want a bit of technology, bit of that. We've got nearly everything we need. And it was it was to do with humans back from you know hundred years ago or whatever. We'd be working all day or doing all this just to get one plate of food at the end of the day or you know to do a crop or to do this and we had to work so much harder and everything so it's it's like because we're a lot more fulfilled we feel like we we feel a bit um empty or like you know there's nothing to achieve or there's nothing to do Mm. so me you know know, everyone really i there are certain aspects where i struggle to motivate myself or to to do things and yeah, it's not always a bad thing. You know, for me, it's a combination of my short attention span and, you know, other things with finding things enjoyable. So I don't like going to the gym. I just get bored. Mm. I'd rather play, you know, run around the field and play football mm. or go, go, you know, go play tennis or go for a cycle or something, you know, something like that. So to keep me more occupied where it's just rep, rep, repetitive and mm. those sort of things. But, mm. but that's me. That's just me. You know, I've got some friends who... My old friend Dean, I used to work with, who when I worked at a leisure centre, a gym, he's about five foot four. You can imagine this guy, but huge, absolutely huge. Uh, he would love just staying in the gym, and he would be in there for he'd be in there all day if he could. You'd have to tell him like, "Mate, you're off now. Go away. You've been in the gym for three hours. Let mm-hmm. someone else use it." Because mm-hmm. there's so much a thing as overtraining and these things as well like that, which some people don't realise. But mm-hmm. yeah. And what do you think about the difference between the um, the sort of life that you had before the crisis and the life that you're looking forward to enjoying now? Do you feel as if it's changed you in any way? Your outlook on life, your understanding of it has, values, things you put importance on? Yeah, I'd say it hasn't. It hasn't. I mean, for, I mean, what a lot of people struggled during lockdown was they couldn't go see like their grandmother or their cousins and things like that. Whereas that doesn't personally affect me because I've always lived far away from my extended family. So we'd always see each other maybe once, twice a year, three times a year if, if we're lucky. So in that sort of thing, it's fine. Um, I know part of it has been a little bit hard on my dad um, only because um, my grandmother who has dementia, she uh, just before crisis was due to move to a different care home because my my auntie wasn't happy with the current one she was in there was one in um kent you probably know it if i if i could find out the name of it i don't um 
they moved to a Tissif one and found it and all that. But obviously when the whole thing kicked off, it was all, it took a lot, long time for it to do. And they were really worried that, especially the place which the granny was at before, they were really concerned that they weren't getting the proper care and things that they needed. And I, I can tell that put a bit of stress on, mm. not just my dad, I knew like my auntie and all that was stressed as well. But it was one of those, cause she's, cause she's deteriorated quite a lot in the mm. past few years. They really wanted to, you know, just that shell of a woman to perform herself sort of thing. But um, I think that was very hard for mm-hmm. for them to sort of, you know, look after her and things during lockdown. Because my, my auntie, who's a nurse, would go would go there every day to go see her and go make sure she was all right things. And it was the period where she couldn't see them for a while and they were really worried. Just, yeah, that quite stressed them out. Mm-hmm. But in terms of myself personally, I don't know, because for me and this as you know it's immature or, or nihilist not pessimistic as it sounds or whatever but for me like you know if I had a free day here free day there just it would I'd bring my friend from down the road and be like oh, do you want to go to the pub or do you want to go to this do you want to do that and during lockdown you couldn't do any of that sort of stuff you know the only sort of stuff you could sort of get away with when it was really strict was maybe going out for a walk or doing whatever so for me personally it was just not being able to socialise with people and mm. see people mm. in person and things like that and when you're when you're at home and things like that for ages, I mm. spent a bit of time. I was like, right, I'm going to reread this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And eventually, I was like, what am I going to do today? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, just another day. <laughs> yeah. And did, did it have any effect upon your perception of the environmental crisis, global warming? Well, I mean, it was all it, it, the since lockdown happened. It, reduced our footprint all over the world. Did you notice what what happened to to virgin nature around you? I mean, obviously not around me where I was. I mean, I've, I live next, I live like literally go out my back garden behind, there's a field where they grow crops in anyway. So I've always had some open space to go out to when I was younger, but it's more things you'd notice on reading online, you know, like uh, the waters in Venice being a lot more clearer Mm -hmm. or, you know, some cities in, China, you can actually see the sky mm, again, you know, without any smog, things like that. And it just goes to show that we, if we really wanted to, we could curb. But that's the question. What is it that will make people? I don't know. I mean, for the better in that respect, people it- won't know. That's that's the the horrible thing about humans, and also the great thing about us is sort of is our individualism. So, to everyone, they're the center of the world. They're the center of attention. And it's, and you know, these sorts of things, but I think the things that go to prove it is if you, for instance, ask someone's opinion on Brexit, either either there or there, you know, and it's a really defining issue. And um, a lot of people, myself included, before the vote, I had, I'm not afraid to say this, whatever, uh, before the vote, I was like, well, you know, I'm going to vote out because I think this, I think that. And it was only when, well, it was, it was, I remember what, what made me do it even more was when my girlfriend at the time, she just said to me, you're stupid, you're wrong. And because of the way she said it and the way like oh, we all kicked off an argument, I was like, you know, screw you, I'm going to vote this anyway sort of thing. And I know I did it not out of, I have other reasons as well and all that, obviously. But it was only not a lot of people open up their minds to think, hang on a minute, I was, my, I was wrong about that. Mm. Let's see what I can do about that. And the climate change is sort of the thing where mm. people need to realise well, what you're you're not living your life badly. It's just you can live it a bit differently, and there's just certain things you can do that are more ethical and the way things help. You know, I'm, 
for instance, we don't sell or serve any straws here, not even the biodegradable ones. We're like, nah, you know what? Just no straws. I think get rid of them, the better, you know? Mm. We're looking to get metal straws, but you don't want to know how expensive they are for what they are. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but, um, mm. but just things like that, you know, like, you know, knowing a lot of education, you know, knowing how to recycle, knowing, you know, what, what's good, what's bad. But I think there was a time you would probably remember better than me, but I just remember, you know, when I was a child in the early 2000s, I think there was a, you know, a very much culture of people just throw away, throw away, don't, you know, people are like that now, but I'd like to think it's not as bad, but, mm-hmm. you know, I would quite like to go out and do, you know, people, I've, I've seen friends of mine before, you know, go pick up litter on beaches and things like that, you know, do their part, things like that. I would, if I live close to the beach or time and, things like that but yeah a lot of it is sort of our throwaway mm. our throwaway nature um at, at the moment mm. do you think the government the government's handling of the crisis has enhanced its reputation and popularity or uh, the, diminished it this, if this government has any the only thing i can say that i like what this government has done is sort of has completely nothing to do with covid okay. is the what the, they said they would try to help people in Hong Kong, things like that. But I don't have any respect for this current government. Yeah. Even before the election, you know, Boris Johnson is a known liar. Yeah. He has lied through his teeth. The party have lied through their teeth. They spent 12 weeks clapping for carers. And then they tell them they've got a park, pay for parking at work, won't bother you know, looking into a pay rise. But we'll clap for you every Thursday. That'd be fine. So, mm-hmm. no, I could, I could go on and on about the my opinions on the government, which are not, some of it's some of it could be seen as right, some of it could be seen as wrong. I've got my own opinions, but I think the way they handled the crisis and the way they're handling it now is still a bit. Mm, should have locked down a few weeks earlier when we were t- when other con- European countries were doing it. Could have avoided a few more deaths. But hindsight's always twenty twenty, isn't it? So you can't give them too much stick for that, but. I'd say we haven't done an amazing job. We've done an okay job. I mean, you know, compared to the fiasco in America and things like that, but it's kind of unfair to paint them all with the same brush because they've mm-hmm. you've got 50 states, which is mm-hmm. essentially like they've, they've run like countries and things, so they're all going to be slightly different. But there's so much more, you know, it's like the whole... I don't understand... I mean, even me working in this industry, I don't understand why you would open pubs and restaurants before you would open leisure centres and mm. gyms mm. and bookshops and bookshops and mm. all, all sorts you know mm. and it just uh, yeah you know and this is whole um, while it was locked down and everything and there'd be lots of us you know who'd stayed in for weeks and as soon as the weather got nice you know tons of people flocked to the beaches and things like that and I thought, what did you think of that but I mean, I personally don't like the beach. So I don't like getting sand in my toes and my shoes and things like that. And I don't like salt water and everything like that. But I thought, you know, it's just very, it's just, it's, I would say it's surprising, but it's not, it's just typical, you know, it's just people are people, people are selfish, you know, it was like, we had those few nice days in April while we were still quite on lockdown. There's people in parks and things like that, or people taking the piss when they're out exercising and everything. But it, it's 
people would do it's one of those it's like, i'm the same you know it sort of says don't you know don't push that button or don't do that the first thing like, oh i kind of want to do that you know yeah. but that that's just people yeah so do you have any advice that you would give apart you mentioned earlier that you've been through something of a depression when you, yeah a year ago but um as regards um, a more sort of fundamental change of attitude towards the environment, towards caring for each other, um, how would you feel about just giving some advice to the person who's listening who really wants to actually see the silver lining around this particular care, yeah. wants to make uh, a positive change? Apart I mean, the things that you've mentioned, is there anything else that comes to mind? I mean, it's one of those, I mean, it's e- it's a lot easier said than done that if you want to go do something, you should do it. But I think sometimes you, I know, sometimes you just need to, like, give yourself a push or someone needs to give you a push. For me, once it was back when I was working as a lifeguard years ago, I wasn't happy for a few months with, you know, everything. I was thinking of, should I have an should I not? I don't know. I haven't got anything lined up, blah, blah, blah. Ah, just one day, I just, I don't know what it was. So it just went, right, that's it. And I typed on my notice, went, bish, bish, bosh, handed it in. And I'm really glad I did, but it was, I had to push myself to do it or it took me a while to do it. It's a bit like, you know, uh, somebody's scared of heights on top of a diving board. You know, you look down, you think, Ooh, I don't know if I could do that or I don't know if I could do this, but once you jump and then you do it and you realise that oh, that wasn't so bad or, mm. you know, I could maybe do that again. So... I don't know. I'd say to people is is sort of as cliche and you know as it sounds, sort of believe in yourself a bit more. Mm. It's and it's so hard to do. You know, yeah. I've, I wake up some days and I think I'm useless. You know, who cares? Why should I believe in myself in that? But it's just be confident in yourself. I think if you're if you come across and sometimes it's double edged sword. You know, you can come across as confident and you can be oh, on the inside or whatever. Robin Williams, great example. Um, Actually, I don't know about that. Well, Robin Williams was very, or uh, you know what Robin Williams was like, you know, one of the funniest guys, a really good comedian and all that, but he suffered for so many years on the inside through depression and things, and not a lot, not a lot of people knew, no, you know? No, and obviously, because it, it sort of came to light after when he died, when he killed himself, didn't he? So, I just, no, I don't know that. Uh, you know. So he, he killed himself after having against this mental illness I think so yeah um, look it up about Robin Williams I know mm. I think he hung himself don't quote me on that he might have he might not have mm. but I'm pretty sure he took his own life mm. but it was very much like sometimes they say oh, the people who are the most happiest might be suffering a bit more but mm. going back to what you said about let's not talk about that again uh, to motivate people it's motivation is I don't know it's like you have to, it's you, you can't define motivation you know different people are motivated by different things and through either what they believe or what they they think is right you know if you look a thousand years ago people thought it was just to go on a war uh, to reclaim the holy land and kill a bunch of people where or do these things and where years and years go on people's perspectives change of what's important and what we should be doing in that and i think now we're at we're at such a unique time would you say yes there's a lot of war and things that goes on but it's the most they say it's the most peaceful times we've ever lived in without you know major major wars <laughs> but um 
Yeah, I hope not. Don't nothing happens. But um, you, you know, we're in. Uh, whereas I, you know, hundred years. I, I was talking to a friend of mine a hundred years ago. I was born in ninety three. So if I was born a hundred years ago, we were like, well, we would have been in the trenches. You know, we would have had to do this. We've had to do that. And sort of those sort of things put you in perspective that we're here to do. I don't know. You say we're here to do good and things, but you're here to just live your life. You only get one life, unless you're you're uh, Buddhist and you believe in reincarnation. But you only get one life. Go out and live it. You know, um, if you there are things that make everyone sad, anxious, nervous, and things like that. But it's how a lot of it's also how you pick yourself out back up. You know, uh, they've got that saying in the army, don't you? They sort of they break you down. They sort of build you up. You, don't have to be in the military sort of to be broken down and brought back up in a in Did a good positive way I um i well i that's how well, a lot of from. a lot of my friends who've been through the training is basically the whole purpose of training is break you down build you back up you know they'll really? they'll, they'll, they'll they'll do things to so you know little things demoralize you things like that make you feel like you're really small and then they build build up your character from that for all the training and everything you do mm-hmm. um we could have another conversation. We could have a whole different conversation about that. And uh, I think yeah, it's weird, actually. I was watching um, a series ages ago. You ever heard of it? People might have heard about it. It was called Bad Lads mm. from about 20 years ago or however many years ago. Mm. Um, and they took people and they got them to do 1950s style national service. And a lot of the people on that, you know, they were interviewing before. They were like, you know, repeat offenders, this, that, and the other. A lot of them, when they're in their third or fourth week, you know, and they're reflecting on their and they're like, why don't, why don't they do more stuff like, you know, why don't they do more stuff like that? Sort of builds up your character, your discipline, everything else like that. Um, this has gone a very weird place from the question you asked to now talking about no, the idea of national service. But, yeah, um, it is interesting because the way it's, the priorities are different, you know. If they brought back, say, national service it'd be a huge oh, I'm not doing it I'm not doing it all that whereas how many years ago they didn't have a choice I think I don't know mm, discipline is, is not so highly valued these days everyone when you said earlier that individualism is rampant yeah um, individualism is at the opposite end of discipline yeah but if you believe in uh, a higher cause and you think that you have to train your character mm. for that cause, you realise that you just can't give yourself the luxury of not feeling mm. well, depressed or this or that. Yeah. You want to do something, you have to discipline yourself. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to do what you want to do, lack of discipline, it leads you off into this individualism. Yeah, and that's it. I think achieving your goals and everything in life is a huge, it's just a huge mix of everything, isn't it? Huge mix of being self-motivated, having your discipline but you know also having an, a good sort of personality or this or that and the other and it's just sort of all those things are sort of go into one sort of make a uh, a decent person you know and there are a lot of people out there you know like I've got uh, my friend Alicia uh, she did a lot of campaigning in um, Nottingham when she was at uni she's just come back for, for Black Lives Matter she was organising like protests and things out there and it's, um, I think that has brought out a lot of, uh, would you say, animosity mm. or things towards other people. And I just think it's, you know, I, I, I fall in the middle or, well, no, it's not in the middle because I do, I believe, like, the, the, 
I was having this conversation where the whole, you know, the statue that pulled down in Bristol, right? Was it right or wrong? And in my opinion, it was, well, what they did wasn't necessarily right, but what they did, they did, they say, you know, they haven't torn down statues all across the country. One statue got torn down, but as a result of that one statue got torn down, people doing something illegal, which, yeah, it was illegal. But because of that, things, legislative stuff went through and they went, hang on a minute, let's review all the stuff that we've got around the UK because clearly there is a bit of, you know, that it's that has, it does rub people off the wrong way and they're like, we're going the right way, just not quite quick enough, mm. I'd say. My mum was quite, used to be, you know, I asked my mum an opinion on these protests and that because um, believe it or not, you never look at me with my red hair and things like that, but my mum is actually, her father was half black. Mm. So, yeah, so my mother with her black father and an Irish mother grew up in East London mm. in the 60s, mm. 10 of them, uh, you know, in a family of 10, they used to get a lot of abuse and stick mm. and things like that, people shouting these sort of things at them. So she's been there. She was the only, she was the person I asked, you know, what does it feel like when someone calls you, like when they call you the N-word and things. And she has a really good sort of, my mum's a tough lady and all that. She has a good persona to it, but not everyone is like her, mm. you know? She's like, a word's a word, you know, a gollywog's a gollywog and all that. That sort of stuff doesn't bother me. It's like the sort of stuff that bothers me is the sort of stuff, you know, the, 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 the violence and all that sort of stuff that would happen. But again, you know, there's not a lot we can do here for something that's going on in London or so going on in America, things like that. You know, you can only try and live right try and do the right thing. Do you encounter much in the way of racism in this area? A bit. Yeah. Um, not... I've seen I've seen my fair share of people who I didn't really think fall like that, and I've seen their opinions and things on Facebook. Um, as a whole, I think our area, we're very much, you know, farmer area, you know. I mean, I remember going to school and there was only... You know, we only had three or four black people in our year, and he's like, "It's just, it's just how it was." You know, it's not, it's not the same as the city. But I'd say we're people like my. I don't want to paint the same brush with all the people my age and all that. But I sort of people my age with a lot more tolerant and liberal with these sort of things. Like you ask someone, you know, who's my sort of age, do they care if someone's gay, black, white, Asian? Blah blah blah. It's like, no, you don't care. Someone can still be a homosexual and they could be annoying I'd still think they were a twat but that's nothing to do with them being that it's like if you're a good person or a good person to me I will like you if you're a bit of a crappy person I won't like you it has nothing to do with the colour of skin or anything else it's just you know I may not believe in God anymore but I still believe in that phrase you know be good to others mm. love your neighbour blah 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 all those things yeah, live a good life. Mm. You know, you don't have to believe that Jesus was the son of God to think actually, you know, some of those teachers in there are good. Not all of them, but some of them, you know? Mm. Well, that's a really good point to end on, the um, the teachings about about being good, about being decent, being honest, being disciplined, and, um, and uh, developing good character traits. That's an excellent point to end on, Steve. I'm yeah. very grateful. And uh, we'll stop it here. Yeah, no problem. And we'll probably carry on a bit after this <laughs> informally. Thanks yeah, cool. very much.